Thank you for uh, joining us this morning. Uh, you guys go ahead and be seated. Uh, we're going to pray and we will get to work. Uh, Father, we just thank you, God, for um, showing us and letting us know that no power, of hell, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck us from your hand. It's, um, it's a refreshing and freeing thing to know. We thank you for that. Father, I pray that as we dive in your word this morning, um, that we would have open, repentant hearts, that uh, you have turned to yourself so that we may live changed lives to glorify your name. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want to thank you guys for uh, joining us this morning. Kids, you can go. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Forgot that last time. Um, we are going to be continuing on in James. Uh, we've been here for a couple weeks now. Um, we're going to be starting chapter 3. So if you guys would open your Bibles, we are just going to read chapter 3, um, verses 1 through 12. Um, Words are not going to be on the screen, so if you don't have a Bible, I'm sorry. Uh, Listen intently. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not to be so does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine, produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Um, Let's start off this morning. Um, When I was 16 or 17, I can't really remember. I was old enough to drive. I know that. Um, A friend of mine, uh, his name's Bill. Uh, Him and I went to Watsika in my 73 Maverick to go get the oil changed in the car because I'm not a mechanic, nor will I ever be. And we go over to the Pennzoil over there. We pull up, and they, they tell us to get out. They pull the car in, and we're sitting inside. And we see this lady that we know, not lady, she was a couple years older than us, I guess, pull up to the bay next to ours. And she gets out of her car. She's talking on her cell phone. She gets out. She's standing outside. The guy changing the oil comes in to the little reception area to talk to me, ask me what kind of oil I want. And he says, hey, by the way, this really hot chick just pulled up in this car out there. You guys should see her. And then he said some things that I'm not going to repeat because, yeah, Song of Solomon stuff. And then as, as we're standing there talking, I just can't believe this guy's saying this. And then she walks in and she's like, hey, John, hey, Bill. And the guy just looks at me and he's like, 
I'm like, there you go. Go ahead, go, go ahead, take your feet out of your mouth, go change my oil. How often have we done this? How often have we just said something in front of somebody or about somebody and, and it's like, they're behind me, aren't they? Just, and we just put our foot in our mouth. That's what James is talking about this morning. The idea of, of taming our tongues. Um, he starts off in verse 1. He's, this, this very first verse kind of, it seems like it doesn't fit in with the rest of the 11 verses. But um, from, from reading some of the commentaries, um, apparently there was this idea among the early Christians that everybody wanted to be a teacher and everybody, everybody wanted to lead. And as Dan so aptly pointed out in Sunday school this morning, if you have a bunch of leaders and nobody to follow, you're just fighting against each other. So James tells us, he says, not many of you should become teachers. But then I think the other 11 verses tell us why. Um, teachers, uh, as a whole, we, we talk. That's what we do. Um, we use our mouths. We, we teach and share God's truth. And it is so easy. I, I would say it is probably the easiest sin to commit um, just talking. Just the words you say is one of the easiest ways to sin. Furthermore, teachers usually should probably practice what they teach. Um, otherwise, complete hypocrisy. And in that, you've got, you know, you're, you're teaching one thing, you're telling people to do this, you're living your life differently. So the words you're teaching are just meaningless and, and have no bearing in people's lives because you yourself are not following it. So, can any of you think back to a Sunday school or a Bible study that you were in where the teacher was just utterly not prepared? But it happened again and again and again. This person just was always unprepared, could never, ever just seem to take the extra time to prepare something. What kind of damage was done to you or to others in that group because of the unpreparedness of that teacher. So, James then goes on, verse 2, he says, listen, teachers aren't the only ones who commit sin by talking or by, by the things they say, but he says that every Christian must admit, um, verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. And it, and it seems that in those stumblings, that talking, um, sins of the tongue, seem to head the list, really. I mean, what do you guys think? It seems that usually most of the time when I'm in trouble with somebody or I've done something wrong, it, it usually stems from something I've said. Um, the person who is able to discipline or, or, as James says, bridle his tongue gives evidence that he can control everything about his life and that he proves he is a mature or, or perfect man. So James gives us some... The word I'm looking for. Ideas of what this looks like. He says in verse 4, look at the ships also. Sorry, verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Um, I don't know much about horses because as I'm not a mechanic, I'm also not an animal person. Um, but I'm sure that even though you can put bits into the mouths of horses and control them and, and steer them where they go, if I were to jump on the back of a horse that was sturdy enough to carry me, and and I and I had the bits in, and, and I was still, it it would not go where I wanted it to go because I don't know what I'm doing. 
same way with uh, verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong wings, winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Um, if any of you have ever been in a boat or driven a boat, you know that it's not like a car. It just does not turn on a dime. I found this out the hard way down at Clinton Lake one time. I hit a buoy, one of those things floating out there, in a friend's boat because I did not know that I had to anticipate my turns. So he, uh, he was not happy about that one. And you, you have to be experienced in these things. You can't just jump on a horse and go. You can't just get in a boat and drive it. So, even though these, these very small things, like the tongue, control very, very big things, you, you need to be in control of that. You need to know what's going on. Because if you're not, this very, very little thing is going to get you into a lot of trouble. Verse 5, starting in the second part. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Um, you guys, you see on the news all the time, especially in the summer, of all these forest fires out in California or Utah or elsewhere. Um, and, and usually what do they say? What, what do they normally say how it was started? Somebody flicked a cigarette out the window. Somebody, whatever, you know, hit some flint and started this fire. So... This, again, he's telling us our tongues get us into so much trouble um, because they are very small things yet able to set so much on fire. And, and the deal with fire is that um, although the flames of a fire may not really get much, the byproduct of fire, smoke, really tears stuff up. Um, if you've ever seen a house that has been um, hit by fire or anything like that, you know that it takes so much time to clean up and, and remodel because of smoke damage. Um, a fire reportedly started in the O'Leary barn in Chicago at 8.30 p.m. on October 8, 1871. And because of that fire and its spread, over 100,000 people were left homeless, 17,500 buildings were destroyed, and 300 people died, and it cost the city of Chicago over $400 million. And that was back in 1871. That's got to be more than that bailout that they just did a year ago. That's, what, $700 trillion or something? $400 million in 1871. That's what fire does to stop and, and to burn and to just destroy everything that we work for. Um, but on, on the upside... The things that we say can also uplift and, and move people. Um, because of, because of, of very small incidents that happen, um, I, I picked one indirectly, um, just kind of out of the blue. But on April 21st, 1855, a man named Edward Kimball went into a Boston shoe store and spoke into this young man's life who worked in the shoe store uh, by the name of D.L. Moody and, and, and led him to Christ. And because of that, uh, so many more people have not only been brought to Christ, but now we, they, Moody College in Chicago trains pastors and leaders. And so we see that as the tongue can really hurt and, and, and infect like a, like a virus, 
we also see that it brings so much good as well for those who have it under control. For every, verse 7, sorry, for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature, they can be tamed and they have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It says it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Just continuing on with what he said about this idea of, of poison in the tongue. Um, sorry, a little hot up here. I'm going to sweat my glasses. <laughs> All throughout um, Scripture, we see um, people speaking and the effects of that. But a, a good place to really see um, the effects of, of how we talk and what we do, um, Solomon wrote so much in Proverbs. Um, I'm going to just read out of Proverbs 26 real quick here. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire... So is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Um, what he's saying here is that in a fire, if you don't have any wood, if you don't have anything to make it burn, it's going to go out. Um, so he says, just like that, where there is no whisper, where there is no one talking, where there is no one moving their mouths, where there is no one yapping their tongue, quarreling ceases. Arguments don't happen. People don't get upset. Lives aren't destroyed. It says, as charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Um, if you've ever grilled, you know, you put charcoal on the grill. The more charcoal you put on it, the hotter it gets. Same with wood to fire. He says, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. People who don't tame their tongue, who can't control what they say, who just react to everything going on around them and, and speak ridiculous things, says, you were just like kindling. You were just fueling and fueling and fueling fire. Um, David also wrote in Psalm, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. So, have you guys ever had that experience that um, you, you say... I don't, I don't want to speak ill of anyone. I don't want to talk out of place. But in a moment, something is said by somebody else, your heart just gets hot and you are so upset and you just turn around and, and you start firing back responses because that's what we do. That's, we are reactionary people. Um, have you guys ever had that experience? I want you to think of a time where that has happened. I'm sure it has. I can't be the only one who does it all the time. Now, um, a hot head and, and, a, and a very, very hot heart, they can lead to burning words that, that everyone will later regret. Um, David had a temper. I think we see that throughout Scripture. Um, and he had to have God's help in controlling it. And so... Um, as, as James is going through this, he's just talking about all these things, and, and he doesn't really, like he previously has, give us these tools to tame our tongues. He just he just tells us that we should. Um, so I want to take a second to kind of make some applications here of, of ways that we can. Um, number one, if you don't rely upon Jesus and, and the power of his spirit, you're not going to be able to do it. It's as simple as that. Um, because... We can't do it without Him. 
That's, that's what it falls down to. So second, after, after you've gotten that taken care of and you are praying and relying upon Jesus, um, for me, what I do, uh, it sounds really simple and we've all heard this before, but if something happens, somebody says something and you're a very reactionary type of person like I am, take a breath, calm down, count to five, count to ten, whatever you need to count to, and just let it go. Because I found that many instances where I would have done that would have got me into a lot less trouble than just opening my mouth and saying what, what I feel needs to be said. Um, some of us, I think, may have the same issue. Um, no filter between your mind and your mouth. Um, work on that. Work on that filter. Because that filter will get you into a lot less trouble, not only at work, but in your homes. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Um, we'll get you in a lot less trouble with your wives. So it's it's really no wonder that, uh, that Solomon wrote in Proverbs again, going back. He who restrains his word has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. If you guys can can stop what you're going to say and, and use that filter... He says, you have knowledge. You're smart. You know what you're doing. He says that if you have a cool spirit, if you're not hot-tempered, you don't get upset at every little thing that's, that's said to you, you don't react in ridiculous ways, that you are a man of understanding. And from Solomon, that's a, that's a big thing because um, he was the wisest man that ever lived next to Jesus. He also says in Proverbs 14, He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered quick-tempered, exalts folly. Um, Solomon, if you know anything about his life, he really really contrasts in a lot of what he says wisdom and folly. He says, um, you know, you're wise if you're slow to anger, but quick-tempered people, you're just fools. You're dumb and you need to quit. Um, I, I, I want you guys to just take a second and think to... Um, some times in your lives where words out of your mouth, words out of other people's mouths um, have just totally ruined relationships. Uh, it can't be understated how fiery our words can get. So as, as we think about this, I want you to remember that as you've been sinned against by the things that people have said, you are not alone in this. Jesus himself was hit with this probably every day of his public ministry. Um, Pharisees were trying to kill him. Other people were calling him a sinner, telling him that, you know, why why are you hanging out with these drunkards and sinners and tax collectors? Um, But Jesus graciously accepted those invitations because he knew that it didn't matter what those people said. Just like we should know that it doesn't matter what, what the hot and angry words come from the people that are talking to us. As, as fire spreads, and the more fuel you give it, the faster and farther it's going to spread. Um, again, back to verse 6. The tongue sets on fire the course of nature, or, or sets the whole course of life on fire. Now, James suggests that all of life is connected like a wheel. And therefore, 
we, we cannot keep things from spreading. We ourselves, once we've said something, we're not going to keep it to that small group that it was said to. It's just going to fly. Absolutely fly. A person's entire life can be injured or destroyed by, by the things that we say. Um, and a lot of the times, time does not correct that. Um, cannot correct the sins of the tongue because people can be so deeply hurt by the words that come from us. Um, we, we can confess those sins and we can ask for forgiveness, but it's not going to stop the fire from spreading. Um, just to get how how bad words can spread. Um, hopefully everybody in here has a Bible. This is the Word of God that offers hope and mercy and grace to us. Um, and it has been such a great thing in my life. Um, as, as earlier in James, he tells us that it actually is the power to give us life. God's Word is the power to give us life. That's what He uses to bring us to Him. Um, to show how bad words can destroy. Who knows what Mein Kampf is? It was Hitler's manifesto before he invaded Poland. For every word in Mein Kampf, 125 people died in World War II. Between soldiers and Jews who were executed in death camps, 125s for every single word. So obviously, we are not on the world stage like Hitler or Jesus. Um, our words may not go that far to kill 125 people for everything that we say, but, again, cannot be understated how important the words we speak are. The words you speak, are they going to offer hope? Are they going to offer life? Are they going to offer death? Are they going to offer hurt? Are they going to destroy what people feel about themselves? Paul says in Colossians, um, be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Um, let, your, let your heart let your heart be full of grace so that if your heart is full of grace, your words are going to be full of grace. And your words are going to be like salt. They sweeten the lives of those that you come in contact with and that you talk to. Um, this idea of, of taming our tongues really at the end it comes down to where our hearts are at. Jesus says, um, where your heart's at, your mouth overflows. So the things that come out of your mouth um, really show where your heart is at. So think about what you say most of the time to most people. And, and think how you say them. Because if you're always sarcastic, if you're always looking down and, and talking down to those around you, your spouse, your kids your neighbors, your coworkers, whatever it may be, if you're, if you're like that, chances are your heart needs to be changed. You need Jesus to change your heart, whether you're a Christian or not. If you're not, obviously we, we need Jesus to come into our lives to begin that change. But for those of us who are Christians, do a serious reality check on where your heart is. And you can do that by what you say, by the emails you send, by the, the texts that you forward, for those of you who text. Um, because not only is the tongue like a fire, but it's worse than a dangerous animal, James tells us. Um, it's restless, cannot be ruled, seeks its prey, pounces, 
kills. Um, if you've ever seen animals do that. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. I'm in verse 10 here. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. You guys have that experience that, that from your mouth, like one moment you'll be saying, thank you God for this, and then the next moment you turn around and say, man, I can't believe that person showed up in church today. I can't, I, what's up with that? You turn around with your very words and, and you're, you're blessing God and you're thanking God for the things that you've done, but you're cursing the people around you. Um, I can honestly say in my experience, this is probably true for most of my life. That's a sad thing. Because I don't, I don't want my legacy that I leave to be one of hatred, one of foolishness because of the words I've said. Uh, I think most of us share that sentiment. The legacy that we want to leave is one of hope and one of grace and one of peace. And the things that people are going to remember most probably are the things that we say. They're, they're going to remember the things that we do. But they're really, really going to remember the things that we said to them, the way that we reacted to certain aspects of their lives that they shared with us. It says, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Do you know of any salt slash fresh water rivers? Because I don't. Absolutely don't. It'd be great to see one. Don't know of one, though. Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? I honestly don't know of any apple trees that are going to bear oranges because if it did, it would be an orange tree. It's pretty simple. Um, if your life is one that, that mostly what you say offers hurt and harm to people, you need, need to really check where you're at. You may have said that you love Jesus, but do you really? Because Jesus isn't talking to people, at least the people that need it. He's not talking to them like they're fools. Now, granted, from time to time, He would go out and He would speak harshly to those who needed it because their hearts were hard. But, for the most part, He was offering hope and grace and peace and love to those around Him. So He says, Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Again, you're not going to find a whale in a lake. Whales need salt water to live. You're not going to find it in a freshwater lake. So, again, applicationally speaking, after, after you, you've, you've given your mouth to Jesus, um, after you've relied upon Him for His help, um, prayer is a big thing. Ask Him, Jesus, help me tame, tame my tongue today. Help me just... Stop and think about the words that I'm going to say before I say them. Simple, simple little things. Um, ask Him to change your heart, because that's what's that's what's going to really show. A changed heart is going to show in the things that you say and the things that you do. So as as you do that, um, I really, really want you guys to think about the things that you say. Um, you, may, you may mean it as a joke to somebody, but it, it hurts them. Um, and, it, and you don't know it. That person is just going to put a smile on 
And every time they look at you, you're going to feel pain. They're going to feel pain because of what you said. But they're not going to tell you. So, um, real short this morning, guys. Um, not a lot here, word-wise, which I, I think is kind of funny, because um, James just wants to get his point across. Sometimes you just need to be quiet. Sometimes you just need to shut your mouth. Um, Solomon says that throughout all of Proverbs. Read Proverbs. I'm not, I'm not going to read all of it because it would take forever, but um, all throughout Proverbs. He, he doesn't say it so bluntly, but I'm going to. Just shut your mouth and listen. So um, with that, I'm going to pray. music team is going to come forward, and uh, we will be good for the day. Father, we come before you, God, and just thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that you offer us in it. God, I pray that as we go out to our homes, to our workplaces, that we would remember what words do and how they can hurt or help those around us. I just thank you for Jesus, um, the hope that you offer us in him. Thank you for his death, his, his life, his resurrection, because without it, we would be condemned to hell. We again just thank you for a beautiful day and a beautiful weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.